This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're digging into the archives and we're bringing you a session from a few years ago. This is a rebroadcast of Colin Barron sharing a principle that has shaped decades of his ministry. You can find the full notes on everything that Colin says at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 100. So let's have a listen. It's uh, great to be uh, speaking tonight and I want to speak on a, uh, actually on a, a verse that has been really significant in um, in the way I approach things and think about things. But before I get on to that, I want to just go back to the very first church I planted, and uh, that was way back um, in uh, about 25, 30 years ago in uh, Bourne End. And um, a number of us went to plant a church, and after a couple of years, uh, Terry Virgo, the, the movement that we're in, and a leader, he came to uh, appoint me as an elder um, of the church. And that evening, I remember sitting there on the front row, uh, some worship time. And then there was a, some, a, a, a time that people could pray. And if they had a word from God, they could give a word from God. Well, what sort of happened was words were being prayed and given that had nothing to do with the eldership appointment and they had everything to do that I was going to be a pioneer. In fact, it got a little, when I say ridiculous, it was, I had people prodding me and we were sitting next to me thinking, you say, what about that? And um, because fundamentally it was there to be a shepherd of the church we had planted in in all intents and purposes for us to be there for the next uh, umpteen years. So Terry gets up to... Uh, do his preach before the appointment and he he says this he said all day long I've been wrestling with my preach he said I've got some preachers and probably from Titus Timothy and others um, that I normally do on an eldership appointment just going through the uh, qualifications of an elder etc he said but I haven't been able to get out my head that I should preach from Joshua chapter one and he said it just didn't seem to fit about um, the pioneer going into uh, the promised land with what we're doing he said but actually in what I've just heard it is everything to do with what Colin and Mary I think are called to so I had the interesting evening of being appointed as an elder and almost sent simultaneously (laughs) in terms of uh, a conceptual Uh, kind of um, uh, commissioning and so uh, that was uh, I say numbers of years ago we then moved and planted another church in Swanley and then uh, moved again to Manchester where not only we started probably 12 churches in the northwest area but loads of other churches we've catalyzed we've lived in America helped start churches there South Africa etc etc so out of that time something uh, really uh, extraordinary happened and um, but what happened was when I planted my first couple of churches I remember that uh, I would go into Acts chapter 2 
and uh, look at how the church was planted there and then look at the kind of church as it gathered, you know, devoted to prayer, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to generosity, breaking of bread, etc. And um, and I I realised that what was happening was I was actually using something that was partway on in the gospel, not where it all started, i.e. that this was a church that actually was after Jesus died, rose again. It was 3,000 people saved, then, you know, thousands more saved. Um, but the people who were leading that, Peter, etc., had actually started their journey pioneering three years before. And so I started going back into the Gospels and thinking, okay, how did Jesus pioneer? Let's go right back to that. And that's where I, st- I came across this verse in Mark chapter 1, 38, and um, I'll give some biblical context to this, but the, the verse is this. He's talking to Peter and uh, his very early two or three um, uh, disciples, apostles, and he says this, Let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. And that, that is why I've come. It was a big statement. It's kind of tucked there in the narrative. Um, and so I just started trying to think, wow, why did he make that big statement? And so let's just look at the context uh, quickly. So basically, Mark 1.14, we get Jesus having been baptized, having gone out into the desert. He comes back into Galilee and it says that he comes preaching and the good news of the kingdom of God. So the first thing I, I realized is this, every church plant starts with somebody. <laughs> now, this was the great pioneer, Jesus Christ. But fundamentally, one person going in to an area and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And so that one person we see in Jesus then found some fishermen and made a big call you know, give up your day job and I'll make you fishers of men. So this one person then gathered a little core team, a little group of people. And that's exactly as I realized how we've done it time and time again. And we read then as Mark 1, 21, that as they follow him, Jesus starts to teach in the synagogue. He starts to cast out demons. He starts to do miracles. And so there's a little band of brothers effectively and with Jesus leading them suddenly started to see things happen and uh, it, then we get to Mark 21 one chapter, chapter 1 verse 21 and basically Peter invites Jesus back to his mother-in-law's house <laughs> and I guess they're tired <laughs> they need a rest uh, the trouble is when he gets there his mother-in-law's in bed ill so before he can have his tea he has to heal her So you have this amazing situation. She um, gets healed and then waits on them and um, gives them uh, a a meal. But what happens is news of what had just happened gets out everywhere. So the whole village or the whole town, I think it was 1,500 people, they say in Capernaum, that's I think what uh, they they reckon, came (laughs) to the house. And um, Jesus healed people, saw people um, uh, be delivered of demons. And so they went to bed, 
Very, very early in the morning, Jesus leaves the house and finds a solitary place, which is often what we see him doing. And it's at that place that this verse comes, because what happens is he's praying and Peter wakes up. And what's happening is outside his house, there's crowds of people. And they're wanting Jesus. And he's looking around the house, no Jesus. So him and the little band (laughs) go and find Jesus and basically say kind of these words, come back to the village, come back to Capernaum, the town. There's crowds there waiting for you. And so so we get Jesus saying those amazing words, we're not going back to Capernaum. <laughs> I want to go to the nearby villages because that is why I have come. And I realized that actually you've got two philosophies of ministry colliding at this point. You've got Peter, I say a philosopher of ministry, I don't think he's thinking those sort of terms, but he's actually thinking there's crowds of people here, come back, let's do something in Capernaum. And you've got Jesus with a commission to go to the whole of Israel. And I just want to just briefly look at Peter, because, you know, you could say, was he not doing a good thing? But actually, he had some good reasons to stay. I mean, first reason, as I've mentioned, there was crowds there. And I, I think I would be very tempted to stay <laughs> if, uh, if, the, if the whole village was there. And it says not only with the whole village there, but other people as well. So, so it was not a, you know, it was, it was a reasonable request. Um, and often I know people who um, want to stay and stay because of the, there's just lots of people to be, to be reached. I think the second thing, which was a good reason, is that more people needed healing. It's interesting when you look at the biblical narrative that it says many people got healed the night before. When Jesus went to other villages later on, it says everybody gets healed. So it seems to me, Peter's saying, hey, there's some more people back there needed healing. These are good reasons not to actually go anywhere else. And the third thing, which is, uh, it says that news about him spread quickly to the whole region of Galilee. So actually, not only were the people from Capernaum coming, but actually there were people willing to travel to see Jesus. There were three reasonable reasons for Jesus not to move away from Capernaum. But actually, there's a better reason. And that's what Jesus first of all was trying to do. He was trying to say there's a different philosophy that we need. There's a different mandate for us now. And, uh, and I've got three, I think, reasons that Jesus uh, gave this quite abrupt statement, <laughs> fundamentally. First one was this. God had spoken (laughs) and God had said, you need to go, Jesus, to the every village, every town in the whole of Israel. It was a commission from God. In fact, you pick that up when he sends out the 12. He says, go, but only to the lost sheep of Israel. So there was a kind of, when I say restriction, I mean, it's not a bad restriction, which is the whole of Israel. But it's almost like in the three years that Jesus had. That was his mandate. And we know that he died for the world and that he's going to send everybody to the whole world. So Jesus loves the world. So, But in terms of that, he, it, Capernaum was too small a thing for his three years. Israel was where he needed 
to go. So that was the um, the first thing. It was actually he was doing what the Father told him, and that's what we read about Jesus. He always did what the Father said. Um, the second uh, reason, actually, I've just touched it, is that he had to go to the lost sheep of Israel. So that was the kind of scope of his of his ministry. I picked that up now, so I won't no, go any more into that. The third reason is this: he wanted to teach his apostles a massive lesson. You see, they were back in home territory. All their friends were there. His mother-in-law was there. His wife, obviously, was there. Um, every, all he, for Peter especially, this was known territory. He didn't want to leave home. <laughs> Jesus wanted to teach him that his mandate was to the rest of the world. He was now going to be a church planter. He was going to be a preacher of the good news. He was going to make disciples. And so something had to happen for Peter early on for him to get into his psyche into his head that actually they were movers they were church planters so um it is really interesting that having done that for three years when they planted this great church in jerusalem it got stuck now it got stuck with thousands tens of thousands of people but effectively that was it. They did a little skirmish down to Samaria. <laughs> they did some other things until persecution came. And in the persecution, that very mandate, which was, this is why I've been sent. <laughs> this is why I've come. Actually, that's the apostles, the early church got a hold of that. The fact that actually they were here for the world now. Now, Jesus said, go into all the world. And so this whole thing of being the philosophy of staying because something's happening, whether it's in Capernaum or in Jerusalem, is too small a thing. And actually, we have a mandate to go into all the world. We're to be mobile. We're to to get um, out there. Phil Moore, in one of his commentaries, quotes Vincent Donovan. He says this. It's fascinating. He said, Paul planted a church in Philippi because he stayed stayed there just several several days, just a few days. So he planted a church in several days. He then planted a church in Thessalonica because on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them in from the synagogue. So three weeks he was there. Paul concluded after nine years of planting churches in Eastern Mediterranean that there was no more place for him to work in those regions. Nine years, the whole of that Mediterranean in his part was church planted. This writer goes on to say, there's something definitely temporary about Paul's missionary stay in one place. There's something of deadly permanence in ours. <laughs> and I think what Jesus was trying to get into the apostles was if we were going to be a church planting movement, something had to be mobile, had to uh, see the bigger picture. So next thing that I want to pick up is that Basically, if Jesus had stayed in Capernaum, he would have actually been only having partial success. Success, And in fact, after that, he says he went from village to village and some villages saw everybody healed. I mean, it was just remarkable. But it's very easy to settle for partial success. I think a lot of people settle you know, they work hard to get 100, 200, 300, 400. I mean, that sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, but sometimes for some people, it is just partial success. You see, unless Jesus went to every village, 
in Israel, it actually was only partial success, even if he saw everybody healed, because the mandate commission for God on his life, three years of ministry, was for the whole of Israel, for Paul, etc., etc. And so, actually, what happened is when Jesus was going in one village in Matthew nine thirty five, um, he he saw everybody healed and and uh, and taught. And then when he was coming out, it says this: he saw the crowds. This is Matthew nine thirty six, and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, that couldn't have been the village that he was in because he said everybody got healed. Something moved Jesus in his mind's eye, I think, to see the whole of Israel that he had not managed to get to yet. In fact, the narrative really uh, makes that very clear. And that compassion on him, he realized that he'd only had a few months, if a year maybe or two left. He's not going to do it at that kind of um, uh, at that pace. And so he said to his apostles, the um, the harvest is plentiful, the workers of you pray the Lord of the harvest to go. And then what he did, a massive radical thing, that great little band that were together, that were forming into a great tight, good community, he made into a number of twos. He basically said, now you go in twos. And basically, he six times increased his ministry at a stroke with a radical move. And uh, it says this, it names, if you go in Matthew, he names them. <laughs> this was a big deal. So these 12 are named and then they're sent out in twos. <clears throat> and if we're going to see a church planting movement, something has got to move in us with compassion to take some radical steps to actually start getting people out of the comfort zone of this uh, nice, good community group and into twos and out there. But the thing is, just a chapter or two later, we see it wasn't good enough for Jesus because even multiplying sixfold was not going to get the job done. And so basically he called 70 others or 72, but let's go for the 70. And it says this, it's something was in him that says we have got to multiply by 35-fold <laughs> if we're going to see the whole. So he calls these um 70 and makes them go out in twos i mean this is radical because in jesus's mind he's got three years and if he's got three years fundamentally radical decisions have to be made and the interesting thing is these are called the others (laughs) they're not even named now (laughs) first 12 are named these are now others if you're going to get church planting movements going, it's the others. Because <laughs> actually, the named ones, <laughs> the ones that were the apostles, you know, some of the senior leaders who needed to be on the move, actually there needed to be a whole crowd of others. And we actually see that in Acts of the Apostles. That actually, it was Barnabas who went to Antioch. It was uh, Peter and John that went down to Samaria. So some of the named people went but to start with. But then when persecution came, it says Peter, men of Cyrene went to Antioch and suddenly the others were on the move. And when the others were on the move, something extraordinary started to happen. There was a breakout um, that was unnamed because so many people were on the move. This is, for me, 
what I love, long for and I love. We've planted lots of churches and most of them are with others. <laughs> That's the bottom line. They're, they're unnamed people and um, they, uh, they uh, are making things happen. So I want to um, now just bring this a little bit into uh, some conclusion and um, I want to... Um, look at um, how do we apply this um, to what we are um, doing you see I went back to Jesus could have settled now he's Jesus so he wouldn't have done so please I'm <laughs> um, um, uh, but I'm using him as the pioneer the kind of for the one who's teaching us the one that actually we should be <laughs> following and actually uh, reproducing after that he's, he had a uh, a, a, a mandate which meant that uh, success was getting to as many places as possible before that uh, terrible day and great day when he was crucified for our sins that actually the whole world <laughs> could be could be saved and so basically what uh, what happened was uh, and I want to pick up this on the 72 because you get this interesting thing when Jesus sent out the 12 he virtually gave the same instructions to the 12 to the 72 but I think there was one there's one or two I think little interesting things with the 72 first of all he says to them go to the villagers before I get there so make um, I've, I've not got the text in front of me but it's almost like get there first <laughs> Pave the way for me. And it's, it's like Jesus with these needs to be very close to them. That um, he's, uh, he's going in very quickly after them. I think you see when they've actually finished this missionary trip and come back to him, Jesus is saying these fantastic things. He's saying, hey, while you were there, I saw Satan fall over <laughs> And it says this, he was so, he, he praised the Lord. And it's as if Jesus is almost with them. Do you know? And it's like he's sending them, but he's teaching the apostles, I think, hey, when these others go, you've got to be close in there. Not absolutely, they've got to do it. But somehow he's training them. He's praying for them. He's actually almost in his, in his mind. He's seeing what is happening. And when they come back, he's so happy. I remember preaching uh, last week and I said, do you want to make Jesus happy? <laughs> Look at this verse when he sends out 72. He is delighted about what they're doing. You know, if we can mobilize loads of people, (laughs) we're going to make Jesus happy. (laughs) Because he loves the whole world. And the whole world needs to hear the good news. When you go down this route, you know what happens? We start training tons of leaders. And uh, we found in Manchester that over the years we've trained lots of leaders and uh, I was just thrilled the other day one of my um, one of uh, my team said do you realise Colin that one of our students who's not a student anymore he's mid just when he's got married he's now down in South London and he's leading a church plant he was with us and he helped us plant when he was second year student one of our meetings I said to some of our guys be a student plant a church and we'll train you He's now with his wife, plant a congregation. Another one of our students who helped us plant a little group in Salford 
two or two years ago, something like that. Just he graduated. He's now in Japan because he's a, he did Japanese as a language. He's got a fiance, I think, out there. You know what he's doing? He's leading a congregation <laughs> because he helped us pioneer with us behind him. Now he's out there. We've got another couple who are leading two of our congregations now. Um, because they went on this journey. See, what happens is people keep saying to me, where are all the leaders? Well, the leaders are the 70 others that that Jesus was just behind, was rooting for, was actually giving them some space to grow, but not space to die (laughs) in terms of that it all would crumble. And he was there with them. My philosophy is basically... Let's do what Jesus did. <laughs> let's let's follow the great pioneer. I was at a conference as I closed that there was a prophetic word. It needs to be weighed, I guess. You know, the, the movement should be 400 churches, which probably means 320 churches to be planted. I'm thinking to myself, if that's going to happen... <laughs> We need to do it the Jesus way. <laughs> we need to get hold of the fact that to do 300, you need something to move in your heart. <laughs> you need something that mobilizes not only named people, and when I say named people, the senior leaders who have been building churches who need to be on the move. But actually, they need to be on the move with 70 others <laughs> who are on the move again. And actually, that's how movements are all around the world happen. And my desire, I'm 60 years old this year, my desire is we have church planting movements that are similar to what's going on in Asia, in India, in Latin America, in the UK, right across the continent of Europe. That's what I, that's absolutely what I pray for, live for, and I believe just getting under the skin of what happened in the Gospels and seeing it, how Jesus was trying to model it for his apostles, um, I think is a good start. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Colin said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 100. See you next time.